This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise up uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now, let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. This is the year of the leader. This is the Leading Second Podcast. And welcome to the Leading Second Podcast, Season 6. I'm so glad you're here. We've created this space for you. If you lead in the middle, if you lead but you're not in charge, and you're just wanting to give your all for the kingdom of God and for your church to get it right with your pastor, this is the space for you. My name is Clark, and I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second. And we've got a great extended episode for you today. We are joined by some of the leaders from Rivers Church in South Africa. And we also have one of our friends, Pastor Tracy Keene, with us as well. And they're sitting down today with Pastor Brandon to talk about healthy culture across multiple locations. And we get a chance to peek into the life of the Rivers Church team. So why don't we just go ahead and jump right in to the conversation. Well, AD, Claire, welcome to the Leading Second Podcast. So glad to have you guys here today. Thanks for having us. It's Thank you. So honored to have you. I love your house. I love Rivers Church. Uh, I, I'm not saying this because you're sitting here. Uh, 100% a bucket list church for me to get to come and see someday. My pastor spoke so highly of you and your house and your pastors over the years. So fun to get to talk today. That's awesome. Thank you. And I have a person interviewing me I'm very jealous of because you've actually been to Rivers <laughs> Church. Pastor yes. Tracy Keene. Yes. Coming back to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I love you, friend. I love you back, friend. And <laughs> uh, you and your husband uh, got to go to uh, Rivers, Rivers Church. Church. We did. What, a few months ago? April. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, I'm excited to be talking to y'all today. Maybe uh, start us off by just telling us a little bit about you and what you do at the church. Okay. Um, I've been on the team for 21 years now. I'm, my dad is a senior pastor, so I was kind of born into the yeah, you've church. You've been on the team your whole yeah, life. Yeah, I've been, there. <laughs> I've been there since the church started. It was the uh, Santon Assemblies of God. And then it became Rivers mm. Church, but that was in 1992. So since I was like 15 years old, and I've had a, a bit of a up and down journey along <laughs> the way. Sure. Um, yes. Left church, came back. Um, you know, got radically recommitted, mm. um, which eventually led me to uh, join the staff team 21 years ago. And now my wife and I oversee one of the locations with the lead pastors. And uh, yeah, we're in a great season. We're loving it. That's awesome. And uh, how many kiddos do you have, Claire? We've got two officially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got our son, Aiden. He's 18 and a half. And we've got our miracle baby, Chloe Rose. She's 11. And then we've got Fefe, who's kind of like our foster child. And uh, she's six. And yeah, together they keep us very. You're just covering busy. all the bases there. Look at that. Beautiful. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> detail, detail. That's amazing. Yes. And, and for context for everybody listening, you're you're called lead pastors. Um, yeah. You know, many churches in North America would probably use uh, the term campus pastor. It's different, and I'd love to maybe hear how it's different. Uh, but I want everyone to know, you know, maybe how that kind of relates. Uh, to to their role, it's a similar term, but maybe, maybe tell us just what does that flow look like for you? We did have a role of campus pastor previously, mm. um, but I think as each location took on its own um, unique set of challenges or unique needs, rather, um, we changed, like um, strategically changed the name because people sure. would treat campus pastors like facilitators oh you you're the you're the person on the ground kind of thing um and it was important for us to establish the role as a leadership role so when we came back from one of our smaller campuses that we pioneered for five and a half years um 
people actually related to us as campus pastors because it was a satellite model that we came, the Kyle Army campus that we lead now was a satellite model. Mm. And so people thought we were just going to, you know, MC and kind of be there pastorally. And then right. we're, we're going to stream in the message from our main campus, which was the model for, I think, three years um, uh, or a year before the pandemic. Um, so we just felt it was it was necessary to change that role or to change the title so that people related to it and understood that, you know, we're not the senior pastors, but we are fully responsible for each location right. that we lead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which is a great perspective because you're, you're leading second, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're lead pastors, but you're still a part of a greater house. Exactly. And so in, in your own way, you're dealing with those, those, those tensions, those, those decisions, uh, Tracy, what did you love most about Rivers Church? Because they're not going to brag on themselves. So oh, why don't you? Why don't you brag just brag? On, yes. <laughs> so there were many, many, many things, um, and we haven't had the opportunity. I share it with your parents, Pastor Andre and Pastor Wilma. Um, of course, in in our context, yours as well. Both churches in the U.S. a lot, and what we experienced with you guys um, in your campuses, the spirit of hospitality was so evident, um, These the culture of excellence and the culture of honor. Mm. And I'll give you one detail that was striking to me, because we've traveled to many different churches um, across the U.S., and my husband's been to... Um, to North Africa before. But one of the things that was striking to me, and it may sound like minor or like petty, but it was a big deal because my husband was the invited speaker. Yeah. Right. But when we got to the parking lot, the grounds, people knew my name. Yeah. Hi, mm. Pastor Tracy. Mm. And of course, my temperament I was like, yes, <laughs> like, you know, um, so that was one thing. But then it was also other little details. Like when my husband would leave the green room, there would be an attendant standing by the door with a tray that would offer, you know, cough drops, breath mints, chewing gum, a bottle of water. Um, and of course, getting into the sanctuary um, itself under the chair was again, all of those types of things to keep mm. yourself refreshed. And then after his time of ministry, going back into the green room, here's another attendant with the, with the tray. Yeah. And this tray has hot, white, rolled up washcloths yeah. with hand sanitizer that smelled so fresh and so clean, <laughs> right? Um, so it was details like that. And what it put me in the mind of was how Queen of Sheba, I can only imagine mm. how she would have been. And scripture tells us when she oh, wow. saw the yeah. temple that Solomon had built, her yeah. breath was taken away. And Pastor Lonnie and myself, that is how we felt at Rivers Church. Oh. And not just the main campus, but your campus. It um, was replicated. It was replicated yeah. very, very well. You know, it's, it's interesting that you brought that up. You, you know, I wasn't sure what you were going to say, but it's, it's okay. So I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm just going to, cause it's podcast. So it's like out there. But, um, as someone who goes to other churches, I have been able over the years to draw a direct line from some of the stuff you're talking about, which you could argue is just chewing gum sure, and yeah. hand sanitizer. Sure. You know, I have been able to draw a direct line from that to team health. Oh, because amen. It, is, it is it is a byproduct. In fact, I, I have two or three little tells before a trip. I shouldn't tell them all, so, but <laughs> I have two or three little tells before a trip. You can tell a lot about the health of a team simply by certain things. Absolutely. Like so, I mean, what you're speaking of is not just gum. No, you know, and water. Can it's, I give you one more? Yeah, yeah, sure. Because this was also amazing to me. And again, it may sound trivial to some, but it was impressive. So we got an 11-page itinerary emailed to us. We were going to be there Oof. for almost two weeks. Yeah. And so we had, we knew what was coming down the pike the time that we were going to be there. Yeah. And some would say, we gave you what you needed. And now when you arrive, you should be set. But that wasn't the culture of honor and excellence that we saw when we got to our room, that email was translated into a booklet mm. 
that contain <laughs> all of the 11 pages of information that we needed to have an impactful time of ministry with the Rivers Church. And it wasn't just at the main campus when we got to that hotel. When we got to North Durban, yeah. Yeah. our time spent there. Mm -hmm. They had a separate itinerary. Yeah. We already knew what it was going to look like but they had that in booklet form as well in the hotel room upon our arrival. So it was details that to your point, Pastor Brandon, like no detail was left unattended to. Mm. Mm. So one of, one of the expressions that we've had that Pastor Andres sewn into us taught us for over the decades is the difference between mediocrity and excellence is right. effort. Mm. And so if you're going to do something, you may as well do it well. Otherwise, why bother at all? Um, and I think that we've, we've got so many expressions that Pastor Andre has coined, um, also around books that he's written. Another one is, so he's done a book, um, Becoming a Person of Excellence. Another one, Finding a Way to Win. Um, so, yeah, a bunch of the, the reasons why you find these things is because it's yeah. ingrained in, in who we are. Well, let's talk a little bit about that for a minute, and and then we're going to get to talking about kind of your your role and how you navigate the second chair. But let's talk let's talk about Johannesburg for for mm -hmm. a minute because I'm as I've always understood, um, your church is you're you're intentional. Yes. About <laughs> about some. I mean, excellence is not just you know. By accident. Well, one, one, yeah, it was just not just wanting to be the flashiest no. or something. Like you're really intentional yeah. about being counterculture, particularly to. Your city, would you just describe, I guess, what what is that like building a, an intentional church in your city, in your mm -hmm. context? It's difficult. Um, <laughs> I mean, just thinking across the five locations, it's a, it looks a little different. Um, sure. You know, as as you as you go from city to city or town to town, but I think the culture of our country is is quite. Um, chaotic at yeah. times there's a lot of corruption mm -hmm. um, there, there's not a lot of excellence there's not a lot of attention to detail and a lot of mm. what pastor Tracy was describing there mm. is a result of you know my my dad my parents uh, traveling and or, or being hosted and and not yeah. experiencing that or thinking like my dad's really good at thinking about like what would what would he appreciate if he was traveling yeah. and he was jet lagged what would he appreciate what would it help him? To bring, that's right. You know, to 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 bring the word or to bless that house the most, and then he puts that into into play in the way that we operate. So, I think in the same way, looking at our nation, we've kind of looked at what um, society offers or what the what the societal norms are, and then we've had to work really hard to to kind of uh, not not just to be countercultural, but just you know the odds are sometimes stacked against you because. Uh, the values of the house aren't always the values that, uh, you know, like when we come to a first world country like America, um, you know, oftentimes things are clean, things mm. are well run, obviously mm. not everywhere, but, you know. Right. Uh, For the most part. And yes. compared to, to Africa, you know, right. thing, things are, are maintained and, and well ordered. So we already live in a society where things are deteriorating. Mm -hmm. People don't care. They'll just drive through, you know, red traffic lights if no one's coming. Or, you know, we, we're dealing with crime as well, high levels of crime. Uh, Check your um, lids out, the car very, window. Very, very high levels of unemployment. So we've got all of that, and then we're trying to bring, like, kingdom culture yes. right. through everything that we do. Yes. And I think that's what I just love to highlight for everybody. If you've never heard, you know, someone from the team from Rivers Talk is just, you know, whatever obstacle you're facing culturally around you it is possible to yes. build something yeah. that is counterculture yeah. and it, but it takes the church has effort. to be the head the <laughs> yeah. church has to be the head not That's the tail right. yeah. we can't it look to we can't right. look to government can't and look to the world um yeah, absolutely. yeah amen yeah so okay i'm tell you what i'm interested to talk to you about first of all today we'll just see how far we go on this we have a script that'll take us five episodes so you know <laughs> we're not gonna get to it but um I'm interested. Okay, so you're lead pastors, which, which again, you know, closest equivalent, you know, is in some ways a campus pastor in that you're you're one house with many, yeah. you know, locations. Um, but yet you have really high empowerment. Uh, being lead pastor, obviously, you know, there's 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 not teaching. I'm assuming, you know, responsibilities and some of that. So I would just love to hear you guys talk about how you 
navigate high level of ownership, um, you know, and, and and owning something like it's your own, but understanding that mm. at the same time it's not your own. Yeah. You know, and it isn't that the second chair tension constantly Absolutely. is, is it's, so I, I have more that I'll ask, but I would just love to hear you describe what that tension is like for you. I mentioned earlier, like, you know, 21 years on, you know, on the staff team, I think 25 years uh, since I came back to church and recommitted my life after having a prodigal son moment and, you know, telling my, what was then my girlfriend, my, my wife now, that I'll never go to my parents' church. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Come on. So I've been on a journey and it, it hasn't always been easy. Um, but I think as lead pastors, um, you know, when we, when, when we first experienced that role after running the creative team at church for many years, more than a decade, um, I was quite surprised at what I had in me in terms of what had been built into, because I kind of got there going, well, I've only preached three times and it's wow. a true story, so good. three times and I'm the creative guy and, you know, give me something to design or a song to write or, you know, screen graphic or an edit yep. uh, and I'm good, keep, keep me in the shadow. So <laughs> it was like a very, very steep learning curve. But I think we realized just how, even though we're family, um, that we are truly sons and daughters in the house. It doesn't really work unless, you know, we, and we have that model. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't have like, we don't outsource and, and put up, put out adverts. Like no one in, on our team leadership emerges without being a son or a daughter in the Amen. house. So, Not just leadership, the entire staff. Well, yeah, the entire staff. Um, sure. But certainly in, in terms of lead pastors, campus pastors, um, so I think that helps a lot because you kind of have like a family mentality. You kind mm -hmm. of, you, you know, this mm -hmm. kind of my dad often talks about, you know, bringing everything into in, through the lens of family and um, which which is always healthy. You've got grandparents or you've got parents and then you've got right. the kids and everybody has their place. Everybody has their responsibilities. Yes. Um, so that certainly helped us in the way that we've run campuses. We've seen it as, OK, this is. This is the responsibility that's been given to me, and I'm going to take the bull by the horns. I'm going to take full ownership. I'm going to, I'm going to go as far as I can with this thing. To, to you know, I'm not going to bury it in the sand. I'm Amen. not just going to maintain, yeah. Um, because maintenance always leads to regression. We we mm. have the responsibility of enlarging that church, uh, that campus, uh, reaching people, um, equipping team. Uh, but at the same time, we know that we're doing what we're doing, um, so that our senior pastors don't have to do it. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, it's that model of kind of holding up, uh, you know, hands yeah. um, that, you know, if, if we weren't at Kyle Army doing what we're doing there, then our senior pastors would have to be there. They'd have to be on the ground. They'd have to, they'd right. have to come so week in, week out. So, so, so it's almost like uh, knowing that we are releasing them from that so good. Um, puts our role into perspective. That's right. If that makes sense. It also, makes total sense. Also, it's, you know, it's about stewardship. And I think it's so freeing when you understand stewardship. Um, it's like when you have your kids. God has given them to you to steward, but it's not forever. And you have to constantly keep in the back of your mind that at some point you're going to have to let them go. Yeah. And as painful as that may be, um, you know, that that's the reality. When you hold on to something so tightly and you think, like, I'm never going to give this up and this is mine now <laughs> and uh, yeah. no one can take it from me. I think when you just hold it loosely, realizing you're stewarding it on behalf of someone else and God has entrusted you for, for that season, who yes. knows how long that season is yes. going to be. And that's so You can good. be at peace. By the way, I could listen to you guys talk forever. Is the <laughs> South African accent not the greatest is, accent on so the attractive. face of the planet? Oh, no. It is so beautiful. So side note, side note I used to have my Waze app uh, a South African <laughs> accent <laughs> or maps or whatever it was. Let me just hear I just, the I just, I just, anyway, anyways, that's embarrassing. It's beautiful. Um, okay, you're asking the question next, but you, Kate, we're on to something here with, with stewardship. Mm. Uh, so I just want to finish this out because I believe you all have a story about when you launched a campus you know maybe tell this story about launching it but then yeah having to lay it down because I, I my, my point that I was yeah. getting to with high ownership is we own something mm -hmm. and if we're not careful it could even become our identity definitely and then when we in the second chair are we we own it but we're not the owners then sometimes we're asked to lay it down 
that could that could be challenging. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. I'd love to hear your yeah. story about the campus if you want yeah. to tell it. Okay. <laughs> uh, the launching of Belita. Yeah. So um, in 2016, we were asked to move to KwaZulu Natal, which is the east coast of South Africa. I actually grew up there mm. uh, by the Indian Ocean. And uh, we were asked to go to a very small coastal small town. Coastal town where Our everybody goes to get away from. Right. Yeah. Like it was originally retirement yeah. and holiday homes. Yeah. And um, we were asked to go and pioneer. They'd basically bought a warehouse. We were paying it off. And we had fitted out the interior of the warehouse. So we had a beautiful little auditorium, no offices in the beginning, uh, and a car park and another half of the warehouse that was just sitting empty. So we had the sound and the infrastructure, praise God, that we owned. Um, But basically, we were asked to move with our kids down there and uh, pioneer that campus in a a little town where nobody knew who Rivers was. It's Mm. like, okay, people overseas in the States know who Rivers and Pastor Andre are, but here, like, nobody knew. (laughs) And even though there was a Rivers in Durban North down the drag, like 50 kilometers away. um, And so that was was a very big thing, obviously moving your your family and what have you. And also coming from such a big environment, coming from, from, I mean— the Santon uh, current yes. facility, which is like a three thousand seater auditorium, right. was wasn't open for very long before. I think it was nine months or ten months before yeah. we went down. So we've and that was the church that we grew yeah. up in. You knew and grew up. So in. it was like going yeah. back to the so beginning it was like days, going back right? To the start, yeah, yeah. yeah, which was actually super helpful that we had been yeah. there in yeah. the early days because yeah. so much of sure. what we had to uh, the Do, culture and what yeah. we had to build, then, we drew know, on those like early I said days. Earlier, that what was in you actually came. We didn't yeah. realize that it was in us, but yeah. when we we're in that situation, yeah. it, it, it came started out. to come out. Yeah. But, but it was very hard. Our it son was. didn't transition well at all. Um, he was just sort of twelve, becoming a teenager. He he's an introvert. He grown up with the same friends his whole life born into the church and he was like what is this stupid little town it didn't even have a mall it didn't, <laughs> it didn't even have, have a mall, mall. Yeah. Have a they mall. built a and mall a in the kid. town yeah. that's a big yeah. Come on. and he's a joe big boy yeah. and he's like in his docks and and right. was like jackets and the kids they're all running around in slip slops i don't know what you call them yeah thongs yeah, no, yeah. that's yeah. australian yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's not thongs here but but despite despite the difficulties and 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 those early uh, months and years where we kind of thought like is this punishment why are we here you know like all of that we you know you kind of just you get on with it and you kind of go okay well we didn't choose to come here and we're I, very honored to I, have I, been yeah, asked yeah gosh. and i mean we we were in a season of yes where it was just right. like will you go yes and then afterwards we thought about it and thought wow right, right, okay yeah. i've said yes but it was kind of like we're going to – because I think prior to that, and this is a whole other story, there was a season of no. And we, sure. You know, and kind of God dealt with us in that in that season, and we kind of came back out of that season saying, well, whatever – you know, whatever my parents are asking us to do, whatever God's asking us to do, we're just going to say yes, and we're just going to trust, um, you know, mm. God's timing and his plan. But I think, you know, we we were there, and we were like, we didn't ask to come here. We didn't want the coastal life. We're here to build the church. And yeah. so we just got stuck in, I think, up until – um, COVID, we were we were working as if we were in the city. We didn't enjoy the lifestyle. We weren't at the beach. We weren't doing any of that stuff that everybody goes there for. We were just focused on getting this church up and running. Um, and it happened pretty quickly. But like after three years, we were already on three services. Wow. Um, and we were making a bit of a dent. We were one of the few, if not the only sort of multicultural church mm-hmm. in that area. Wow. Um, which, so is, which is part of our DNA as a church anyway. That's right. But I think in that, we, you know, we were holding on to it tightly in terms of ownership and knowing that, that it was up to – no one was coming. You know, they weren't sending – No one's coming. You know, mm. They sent us from Santon and there was no one else coming to help us, so we just had to get on with it. But at the same time, I think you know, we made that decision up front that our identity wasn't going to be in that because if we're not no longer the lead pastors of that campus, then, you know – what is our identity, mm. you know? Yep. Um, and so when we were asked to come back, it was very easy for us to, I mean, obviously it was a compli- complicated thing to- And sad, you know, know. And sad, and, and, but we knew, it was, we knew it was God's timing, but it was very easy to go, okay, you know, um, 
we'll come back because it wasn't like, no, this is mine. I've spent the last five and a half years. Yeah. My kids have struggled It was a bit like, like handing through. over a baby. But. It, it was emotional, mm-hmm. obviously, because you've, you know, you've put your heart your and soul switch. into sure. it. Yeah, your heart yeah. and soul. But I think with any of our lead pastors, if any of them were asked to, to move, again, there's, there's, it's difficult, there's the complexities. But I think the heart for all of us is just that, you know, we're, we're doing whatever needs to be done to further Brilliant. the kingdom. Um, and to and to build the local Brilliant. church, not we're not building, uh, you know, our own empire or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, and you got to see it as yeah. an adventure, yeah. a God adventure. Mm-hmm. We're going to be right back to the conversation in just a moment, but I wanted to talk to you about one of our partners, Tithely. Do you want to grow generosity at your church? I'm sure you do, and and if so, then you need to make it easy and convenient to give. Tithely is a resource that offers free online giving tools, and it makes it simple for your church members to tithe and make offerings. With Tithely, church members can give from any device, and that includes mobile giving, text to give, and giving on any sort of computer or laptop. And on average, churches who use Tithely see an increase in their giving 165% year over year. A great investment. And so if you want to learn more about how you can use Tithely to grow generosity at your church, go to tithely.com. Now let's jump. Now let's return to the second part of today's conversation. Well, here we are. We're continuing our conversation today uh, with Addie and Claire from the Rivers Church, and we weren't able to get it all in when we were all sitting in the same room at Team Church Conference. So here we are. We are relegated to Zoom <laughs> to finish out our conversation. Uh, we're, we're, we're laughing because it's like, what is it for you all? Four o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah. Yep. We, we gave you the good time. You know, I'm, we're 7 a.m. over here. So we, we, we were all laughing about it. But but here we go. There's still some gold that we wanted to um, pull out of you. Pastor Tracy, we gave you the good time. We gave you 10 a.m. this morning. You it's a Eastern perfect time. time right? I've had my coffee. I've had my toast. I'm ready. Why don't you take us take us forward, Pastor Tracy? Thank you, Brandon. Um, so I guess my, my, my next thing to bring up to us to kind of um, discuss or unpack, if you will, would be the, the maintaining of consistency across um, all of the locations. You guys do an excellent job of doing right. that. Um, Pastor Lonnie and myself, you know, we were in Johannesburg back in April and had an opportunity to um, preach at two of the campuses, but then actually see um, the campus that you guys lead, um, as well as the campus that Pastor Devin and his wife um, lead. And so what was striking to me was this consistent culture. The, the, The staff, whether we were just touring one of the locations or whether we were, it was a Sunday morning and my husband was going to preach, everybody was at 100% fully engaged um, with an attitude and a heart posture that they were honored to be on staff. They were honored mm. to just stand in the lobby. And if we needed a cold bottle of water while we're touring the building, they were on deck to bring a cold bottle of water. Um, and that was, again, all campuses. Everybody was at 100%. Um, on Sundays, didn't run into anybody. who You guys have multiple uh, services. But the consistency, the heart posture, the, mm. the, 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 the mindset that we are here to serve, and it is our pleasure to serve, it was demonstrated. Nobody was half-hearted. So how, how, do you guys, how do you guys accomplish that, and how do you maintain it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it's 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 both simple and complicated at the same time. If that makes sense, uh, it's a simple thing in that we have a very uh, strong, deliberate culture as a church. I think it starts there. Um, you know, not very much, if if anything, is left to chance. 
So everything's pretty well thought out. There's a lot of communication around the culture and the, the DNA of the church. And then, you know, the, the, the simple thing is that although we've got five locations, we'll never send out a lead pastor or a campus pastor um, who isn't uh, a son or a daughter in the house. Yeah. So you wow. know, when, you, when you're part of the family, when you've got that DNA, it makes it a lot easier um, than, you know, just having someone go or forcing it or rushing it. Like all our locations have already happened organically. Mm. We haven't like said, oh, we should be in six locations or five locations. It's just kind of happened as the team has grown and as our, um, you know, young leaders have emerged like us, we used to head up the worship and creative team, um, you know, in our, we're not that old, but in our younger years. <laughs> and, uh, and then you kind of, you, you grow and you, and you into, into other roles. And we've seen that with, with many of our team, but they've all got the same DNA. There's, there's a, there's a definite, like when you meet someone who's the son or a daughter, you go, Oh, I can see that that's your, your, your mom or your dad, or I can see that that's your, your son. And I think that's like a, a non-negotiable quality for us. Um, and I think that makes it very simple that when, when a, a couple gets sent to, to plant a campus, there's that assurance that, well, it, even though the mission might be a little bit different, like if you go to all five of our locations, they will have different personality because all the lead mm. pastors have got different personality. Um, mm -hmm. They have the same spirit and the same DNA. So, so that's the simple part. I think the complicated part is that, um, well, not complicated, but the difficult part is just um, as we build teams and as people join the church and we add volunteers is to, is to pass that culture on. Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of, of, you know, fine tuning. We do a lot of debriefing. We look at everything after every service. What could we have done better? We don't just kind of like set it up and then leave it to chance. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we focus on the detail. Yeah, if I can add to that, um, one of the, at the foundation, one of the things that we have done at Rivers for forever is um, you have to go do a class or attend a course in order to um, consciously make a decision to become a partner or a member of the church. We don't just consider anyone just because you come regularly you're a member, you make sure. a decision that you want to partner at Rivers. And when you do the partnership class, we spend an evening with um, usually a group of staff and we go through um, a brochure. So every person that attends gets a brochure. It's got our vision, our values, our culture, the four pillars of our church, which is worship, reach, connect and volunteer. And we talk a lot about culture. And at Rivers, we, we because South Africa is so diverse, I mean, we've got people from every culture you can imagine, 11 right. official languages. So how do we united front? What do we unite on? So we call it heaven's culture. And we take I the... I love um, it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we take um, the principles of the word. And what does the word tell us to um, unite... Wow. Um, on and so when someone has done that class we've got a criteria that you need to meet in order to become a partner there are certain things um, that would um, mean you're not ready yet to become a partner um, one of them is that you uh, agree to volunteer you agree to give your time your talent and your treasure so you agree to tithing Maybe you're struggling at the moment because you're unemployed, but essentially you agree to the principle of tithing. You agree that you will give of your time uh, and your talent and, uh, and you're on board with the vision, the values, the culture of the church and you will submit to the leadership. And then you actually sign that form, fill in a form and we do an official welcome. So from the very ground, everybody that is part of the core um, from your outskirt volunteers has gone through that process, understood what it means to be a part of Rivers Church. Who are we? What are we about? What are they signing up for? What are they partnering with? And so at least at the, ba at the basis, you've got that um, agreement. Yeah, so they've decided mm -hmm. to partner, play their part, yeah. Beautiful. You know, I'm going to inject something here for a minute because you said something, you said it was simple, and it is simple, but... We have a culture issue here. 
And that is, you said, we do not start a campus with anyone who's not a son or daughter of the house. Okay, I just want to take out the highlighter pen and I would just want to highlight that for just a minute. This is probably a highlight too of our, a little bit of our American context that wants to build like an organization or a, a business. And we all know there's an organizational side to this. I'm not refuting that. But I think sometimes like we even use the term, if we're, if we're being generous in the U.S., we use the term hire within, you know, rather than an outside hire, you know, we hire within, which again is a fine principle. I just want to show people the depth of what you just said. You said we do not start a campus without anyone who is not a son or daughter of the house. And I love the principle of a spiritual house. I consider mm-hmm. myself a son of the house, of, of mm-hmm. our house. I think, I'm just want, taking out the highlighter pen. We don't have to spend long on it. I just think it's a worthy thought for leaders to go, am I raising up employees or am I raising up sons and daughters in the house? I think that's a big difference. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, we we 100%. And we actually wouldn't employ uh, anyone really at, at any level. I mean, we do have certain, um, you know, contractors. We have electricians and we have cleaning staff, those types of people that aren't necessarily sons and daughters in the house. It's just sure. kind of contractual. But if you come onto our staff in any role, whether you're an intern, a receptionist, if you're a graphic designer, you, you have to be part of our church. You have to have walked a journey. You have to be known. So you've got to be part of a connect group or preferably have served in a volunteer ministry where, yes. where a leader can vouch for you. And then we even have a program called Test Your Call, which is where volunteers go through a, a process where they kind of like working on staff after hours, like as a, as a sort of a test run to, for them to see if they, you know, if they feel called to ministry, is, is this really what I want to do? And it's also for us to be able to say, hey, you know, we do believe there's a call of God in your life or believe it or the timing is not right. Like we just took on uh, um, uh, someone to oversee our worship team at, at our campus, the one that we oversee, Kyle Army. And he did test your call in 2018. But at the time, the timing wasn't right. There wasn't a position for him. He wasn't 100% sure. We were we were a bit unsure, and it took four years of four more years of serving for him to actually come in. But by the time you come into to the staff team, you might not have that full understanding of what it's like to work at the church. But we have like no doubt that you have our DNA, and and as a person coming onto the team, you understand like okay, I know what this is about. This is not just like you know, yeah, I want to work at church. I'm loving church at the moment. So we've got all of those processes in. And even then some people come onto the team for a, a year or six months and they're like, actually, I kind of feel, but we never, we never put out ads. And I know, I know it's, a, it's a cultural norm in the States. We, we don't do classifieds or, or you know, any, any, we've had many people come to us and say, oh, I work at another church, but I'm looking for another opportunity. We won't even consider them until they become part of our church and they've walked the journey. You know, I'm not, yeah. And I I certainly don't want to villainize um, some of those approaches. In fact, we have one or two over the years that have been outside hires, so to speak, in our house that have worked, but there's still sonship, I think, involved in there somewhere. I think that's what's created the enduring culture that you see at Rivers Church or even my home church. There's an enduring culture to it that is special and it has lasted. And I, but it's because of those who carried it at that level. So I digress. I, I, (laughs) I just think it's, it's worth a highlight note for so many leaders listening just ask a question. Are you a son or daughter of the house or, if, or mm-hmm. is this a place of just mm-hmm. simple employment? Yeah, I think, I think it's a worthy question. Okay. Pastor Tracy, I, I, I digress. And I, <laughs> no, I, I thought that was really, really good. It has, 
well, it has my wheel spinning. Um, I was going to ask about strategies that you guys employ to maintain that consistency of culture, but you've, you've already answered that question and you have layers of, of the things that you guys put in place, strategies and processes and structures um, to ensure that this culture that we are designing, um, it will be maintained. And and you ask very clear questions. It sounds like I love the 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 test. Would you call it, um, Pastor Ad? The test of call. Uh, test your call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's test beautiful. your call. Like that. That it's beautiful and it's really genius. You know. And again, something sounds simple, but they're actually very profound and loaded with efficiency and impact to really build the kingdom and, and make sure that the culture. Is, is guarded and it's maintained and that everybody understands. Um, yeah, I, I do think that there is a difference between a higher, I'm here to get a paycheck versus I really have a heart for this house and I am completely all in, I'm sold out. And I understand that ministry to be on staff at a church, to be a keeper of the culture, it does look and it requires something different than a person who is there to get a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I have a question. Let's get really geeky for a second here, like 60 seconds. And let's talk about the meetings that support this, because this is the space we all live in, right? Pastor trades. Like we, we live in oh, yeah. these meeting rooms. So if meetings. you're, if you're debriefing or you're in a meeting that is establishing culture across campuses, like who's in those meetings? What are you talking about? Could you just break that down for us really briefly? Well, I think that it, it happens at different levels, obviously at the, the, what we call the lead pastor or senior leader level would be all, all our leaders who run campuses, um, you know, executive pastor, operations manager, you've met, uh, Sean and, and uh, Pastor Kogi. Oh, they're really, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so we would we would uh, we would be in uh, meetings with them and and with our senior pastors, and we would talk about um, you know high level decisions, things that would impact um, you know all the locations and the way in which we do church. There's a lot of conversation. Sometimes that happens around the boardroom table. Uh, other times it's it's phone calls. Hey, this is we've we've had this discussion. We're looking at this. So there's there's a lot of 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 that constant conversation going on. But on individual campuses, I think you know after before and after every service, we'll have um, we'll have briefings. We'll we'll try to figure out like if we've got two or three services. We'll try to figure out what we can do better for the next one. And it's not things like you, you know. Um, Maybe in the past we would focus on some of the the you know the minor well what what I would call minor detail now like the things that people knew that they didn't quite get right like oh you know that vocal was a bit off key or the lights should have come up like there's a lot of that stuff that people know like oh, okay you know we 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 broke the atmosphere or we you know we didn't do things well it's more like the 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 glaringly obvious things where we know like hey. This what like we weren't the best at welcoming people into the into the house today, um, you know. People it didn't it didn't feel like people were connecting with God during worship. We didn't facilitate. We didn't help people today. So we're constantly having those conversations, and it all comes back to that culture where it's so easy to spot. You know, um, it's so easy to spot when something isn't working or it isn't right because if if it if it doesn't inter interfere with the culture, then it, it kind of goes, you know, if someone does something that's a little different, we go, well, you know, the, the, the goal was met, you know, our, our goal is to encourage people. Our goal is to lead them in worship. If, if those criteria are met, well, then that's great. We don't prescribe, you know, too down to the T of what that's going to look like because no one, no one will ever get it right. Mm -hmm. But as long as it aligns with the culture um, and then we have that conversation yeah. as well, we tell people what they did well and we tell them what they didn't do well. And we meet with our staff team, you know, every week yeah. to give them input and follow up. And what yeah. can we do better for the week coming, which isn't always measurable. You know, it's like, well, like, 
we had a great weekend. Well, how can we have an even better weekend? Sometimes you can't. You just have to make sure that you can do, you can serve people well long-term. Yes. I think like we're focusing on longevity more than like the immediate victories, if that makes sense. So what Aidy is also talking about, say, for example, on a Sunday morning service time, he would meet with some of the key staff who would then meet with their, because obviously yes. the staff are responsible for different ministry teams, who would then meet with their ministry leaders, who then those ministry leaders and staff would meet with the individual volunteer teams to pass on specific messages, yeah. to do um, a brief before, pray before services, and then they would do debrief. So it's not like we're meeting with the entire yeah, volunteer yeah. army. We, we don't have a huddle like... Um... Like, yeah. like we saw at Team Church, like, you know, when we were overseeing a smaller um, campus down in Belito, where um, Devin and Natanya are, are pastoring now, um, we had a thing called All Call, which was all the volunteer teams, because it, like <laughs> it was like it was like 50 or 60 people. And when they got into the auditorium, we worshiped together. We, we, we brought a focus to what we were about to do for that day. It wasn't a time to pray for needs or anything like that. It was just like, Let's get focused. This is what this is what we're here to do. Let's roll out the red carpet. Let's make them, you know, let's glorify the name of Jesus. Let's help. But um, on bigger campuses where the volunteer teams are maybe a couple of hundred people and there's like a lot of moving parts, we rely on those individual leaders to go off sure. and, and constantly feed. And then sure. beyond some days, beyond days, you know, to to stay in touch with people and keep talking and tuning. And we you know, we just, we, we love our volunteers. We can't do what we do without them, but we do call them to a very high level. Um, and so if someone, you know, if someone comes in the wrong uniform, we don't go like, oh, it's cool. You know, it's like all for Jesus. Yeah. We, we kind of like, you know, maybe sometimes we do when, when someone's going through something, you know, they got locked out of home and they didn't have clothes. But we give them a t-shirt. But we kind of hop, like we've got non-negotiables. So some of them might seem like, like silly, like, oh, you know, you wouldn't let somebody serve for that reason. Or, you know, like we, we have someone in place where, like, if you don't come to the rehearsals, we can't let you serve. You know, um, you won't get onto the roster unless you're coming on a Wednesday night and you're part of the team and you understand the lifeblood. And we're, like, quite strong on those things. And, you know, we've been called. So good. We've been called, like, uh, the It really is. We've been called like we're so hectic. Oh, that's like a South African thing, you know. You guys are so hectic, and you tell people where to sit, and you tell them where to park. And you know, we we live in a country that and I don't know if I mentioned this when when we chatted last, but we live in a country where we, we don't have a lot of order, and so we right. feel like church right. church is an environment, and you know, God is a God of order, um, not of chaos. And so we bring a lot of order to the church environment, which also helps us to facilitate like what we're talking about now. I, I just love it. I'm dying over here while you guys are talking. I, I What I just heard is if you aren't locked out of your house and if you don't have no shirt, you're, <laughs> you're there. <laughs> yeah. We'll give you a shirt. Yeah. We'll give you a shirt. Yeah. I love, I love that. That's, that's perfect. Well, what I love, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're laughing, but I love the fact that, you know, now my wheels are just spinning over here because I love so much of what Claire, you and AD, you know, you guys are communicating. Um, if I can just calm my brain down, but two things that you that you guys just said that really have my cylinders just popping over here. One, I'm wondering how do you guys manage when you have a volunteer who does not take very well to the order and the, the culture that you guys are trying to establish. And they just don't take feedback or that high expectation um, for them to show up in a certain way. How, how do you guys manage that? Is that person not gonna stay on the volunteer roster? Um, if, they're, if they're a staff member, and they wear their feelings on their sleeve and they don't take feedback very well. How do you guys manage that? Okay, well, if it were a volunteer, um, 
taking into account their personal circumstance, of course. I mean, maybe they're going through something in, in their life and um, they need some pastoring. But if they're just in general, like not really on board with the culture, not really on board with respecting the values and the culture of the house, we would say to them, you know, you have done partners class. Mm -hmm. You made an informed decision to partner with this church. Um, you didn't come in blindly. We told you and you signed up and you ticked all the boxes. Literally, we have boxes to tick. And you said you are on board. You also, when you decided that you wanted to join this team, say it's the ushering team, we explained to you that this is the uniform or t-shirt that you would wear, that we would require you to wear shoes and not shorts, pants or whatever the case may be. We need you to be here at 7 a.m. in the morning. Um, otherwise, if you don't pitch, nobody's going to be there to fill your space. And we're relying on you. This team is relying on you. You know, we count it a privilege to serve the house of God. And obviously, if we're sick or what have you, if you'd phoned in advance, we could have made an arrangement. But unfortunately, this is a pattern. So I think it would be best for you to sit in under the ministry uh, take a break from serving. Maybe it's a season where you just need to receive from God and you may, maybe need to just take some time to figure out if this is really why, where you want to plant yourself in this spiritual house because there's many to choose from. But if we choose this home, it comes yeah. with, the, with the parents. You know, when we part of a family, we have parents and the parents set the tone for the home and we can choose to be part of it or we can choose to say, I don't want to be here. So, and it doesn't so, happen. Excellent. Uh, it, just, to, just to say, it doesn't happen in a church of like our campus is about um, with kids uh, just over 2,000 in attendance on a weekend. And we have very few instances of what we're talking about. It does happen, but because of that partnership process, because people know exactly what they're getting into. In fact, mm -hmm. some people, they want to get involved very quickly. Like, I love this church. You know, it's amazing. It's changed my life. You know, you hear that. And then when they do the partnership class and they see what it involves or they come along to a, uh, you know, creative team rehearsal, then they're like, oh, no, I, I, I don't want to do this, you know. Um, and so that kind of weeds out a lot of that. And um, but we never, ever, we never, ever let it go. You know, when, when someone's when someone's having a meltdown or if someone's got a bad attitude, we don't just go like, oh, gosh, OK, they had a bad day. We always, you know, address it whether it's the following week after the services. But we never let any of that slide. We always have a conversation. And we always start with like, yeah. hey, like, where are you at? Like, are you okay? Right. Because most people, their, their, their challenge or their, their inability to carry the culture is usually a direct result of something that's happening in their life personally. Beautiful. And, mm -hmm. and so we try to we try to address it as like pastoral care mm -hmm. first and foremost. We, mm -hmm. we we've never so really much. had to we've never really had to like yeah. you know have like a serious fight with people. Um, but I think that 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 process of partnership it kind of weeds out a lot of a lot of that yeah. when people go oh I'm really not ready I love or, it or I'm not willing to do that and that's okay. Many people come to our church and they just sit and they attend and we and we ask them and we we. We encourage to serve, but not everybody should serve. Some people need to heal and, and kind of get further along in their spiritual journey before they yeah. help us to build. Otherwise, Amen. they do more harm than good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Amen. So I just heard like four things. Y'all are giving us a master class, and I think somebody needs to listen to this. I just heard clear expectations up front. I just heard have the conversation, like, like, we don't let things go unaddressed. I just heard use your values or your culture as a backstop when you are talking. You're taking them back to to agreements and who we are and, and reinforcing that. And I love this. You're starting with considering their personal journey or spiritual condition. You're you're I, I have told, man, thank you for saying that. I have coached pastors, executive pastors over the course of time, when someone on your team is not performing well, you can take the hard-nosed route if you want, but what if you took the pastoral route first? What if you stopped and asked them, just how are you? And I have seen God 
turn people's lives around because their their authority issue or their disconnect from the culture or their late behavior or whatever was really it was not the the root it was just the fruit of something going on deeper in their life and thank you for your wisdom on that i guess to like to remind us that we are pastors and we are not just building a business here we're building god's house and so yeah. I, I loved that. I love that. I wanted to say one more thing on culture here really fast, just to highlight something. So going back a few minutes ago, I think it was you, Eddie, who said this. You said, you know, if, if there's a way that we've not served people well or there was a gap in the culture, you said this line. You said it's easy to spot. And I want to talk about that for just a minute. This is going to be a little personal soapbox here. Um. I think it's easy to spot. I think the problem is though we don't take the time to spot it. We we think culture can be sometimes like a set it and forget it. Now, context. I am someone who two weekends of my month is spent being at churches to help them observe their culture. I have a full-time job just around viewing other people's culture and my my I shouldn't say this publicly because I'll ruin my job but I started realizing a long time ago this is really easy it's the, the the problem is we don't take the time to do it it's it's not that it's hard it's just that we don't prioritize it and so then an outsider comes in and gives you feedback and you go wow Amazing. And I do think there are things an outsider can see that you can't see when you're on the inside, in fairness. But I, I just wanted to highlight the point, and if you can respond to this if you'd like, that sometimes it's just taking the moment or having the right person that can look up and go, how are we doing? And I just think it's a discipline in fast-moving cultures, in fast-moving environments. We don't have the discipline sometimes of doing that. And I feel like you're bringing us back to that point, and I am saying I appreciate that in what you're saying. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think um, you, you're 100% right. I, I would say the two things that that sort of hamper our ability to do it is, firstly, like we don't we don't make the time, like we don't have the time, like in inverted commas, like like when the schedule is so full and there's just like event after event and you know, the calendar is just like, you know, it's, it's, it's ruling your, your, your ministry life. Um, you don't always have the time to kind of step back and look at what it is that you're doing, like with perspective, you're like, so in it that you kind of like, you lose that perspective. Yes. And so, so we, we try to like build in that margin and have, I, I tell the staff team here at, at our campus, um, often that they need time in their working week just to think like mm -hmm. don't don't think that if you're just at your post thinking and strategizing and looking at what it is that you're doing that you're not working mm -hmm. um, you don't be physically working all the time you actually need time to think otherwise you know you 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 stagnate or you you kind of miss things and so I think we have we take the time to think deeply certainly as lead pastors we think about everything that we do deeply I also have made it a habit from time to time to question everything. It probably gets a little bit annoying. Um, my wife probably gets annoyed at it and the team, but I question everything. I'm like, why are these our service times? Um, let's just talk about that for a moment. You know, and we, and we kind of look at everything that we do and make sure that we're not just doing it because it was, you know, historic. Oh, well, this is what we've always done. Very good. And uh, the world's changed or, you know, I think when we came out of COVID, we started to, ask some different questions, but we're like two, for us in South Africa, we're like like two years into the, like post COVID, like it feels like two years. Mm -hmm. And so months, yeah. it, it, you, can, you can already feel like you're back <laughs> on the hamster wheel, like, you know, oh, okay, this is like 2019 again. But I think it's good to have those like reset moments where you look at everything that you do. Beautiful. You, you might come back to the same conclusions. You might say, okay, what we're doing is good. What we're doing is great. Um, I think even when it comes to adding services and enlarging the church, you have to ask yourself, like, are you doing it like just because you want to, you know, you want a bigger congregation or do you have the capacity to lead and build into 
more people or or is it okay you know to have these two services or one service and focus on building people in the season so i think those are some of the important questions rather than just focusing on like um success if that makes sense oh thank you it makes total that. sense yes it makes total sense i love um pastor ad when you just say it and again it may sound simple but it's profound it's, you need to have margin to just think. You know, the, our days cannot be spent in totality checking off the boxes. Simple but profound. Thank you for sharing that. So I'd like to land the plane, so to speak, today with one more question. And I'd like to ask you about leading a culture of honor in your church. I feel like we, we've, we've gone a lot of places today, but I just couldn't leave this one untouched with you all. Um, you know, I've grown up in a house with a strong and I think healthy culture of honor. Uh, I, I feel like I've, I've heard that from anyone that has encountered your airspace, you know, a, a healthy view this of course can have a, a side, I suppose that gets misused. And we're not talking about that. We're talking about a healthy culture of honor here. We get a lot of pushback on it right now, I guess, from younger leaders in North America. Uh, I don't know if it's the same where you're at. So if could you just tell us for a minute, what is it like for you all architecting and leading a healthy culture of honor toward each other, toward authority, you know, toward the people you serve, you, you know, my pastor says we honor up, we honor down, we honor all around. He's kind of become honor infamous now for saying that, you know, uh, <laughs> yes. how has that been for you in your church culture over the years? We, we have a similar, a similar culture of honor. And I think, you know, I understand, um, the negative side of it. Um, you know, people are, um, waited on hand and foot, or they, you know, they treat the, uh, the the pastors or the or the differently, and you know that can get abused. Um, and and certainly we've, you know, I think that's a global global thing. You know, the celebrity pastor kind of culture, which I think is starting to sort of dissipate, which is I think a good thing. But yeah, we don't we don't have a celebrity culture. We don't have bodyguards and people following us around. I, I know I know some leaders need that and they've got you know credible threats and all of that but i think i yeah i think it comes back to that to the family again it's like you know when your sons and daughters in the house you know you're taught to honor your mother and father you're taught to honor your leaders honor your your elders and and so i think it's something that we you know we don't go around telling people like hey you know you, you need to honor me but i think we've been we've been taught to be honorable like as as sons and daughters in the house like you know, you, you honor other people because you're honorable, not necessarily because everybody's worthy of honor. And we have a lot of corruption in our country as well, which which makes a culture of respect and honor very difficult because people look at leaders, government, they look at police officers. I know there's been um, a challenge with that in the U.S. as well, where people don't want to honor those in authority because some people are not behaving honorably. Um, so, yeah. I think it's that family, that that family culture again. Uh, you know, my dad, our senior pastor, um, talks a lot about about the family and brings a lot of what we do as a church into the family model, um, which really gives us a great perspective. But I think that you know, there's something that we talk about fairly often, um, and we talk about culture, by the way, all the time. Whenever I can weave some of our church culture into a into a sermon whether it's the way we seat people or whether it's people checking their kids in at kids church and getting upset. We always try to speak into that rather than, you know, draw attention to it and, and, and scold people from the platform. We always try to weave it into everything that we do. Um, but the two things that, that we share with the church fairly often, one is, um, you know, what you, what you honor, you'll prioritize. That's and right. So, so if you honor the church, if you honor the house, you will prioritize. If you honor God, prioritize time with Him. You'll prioritize um, serving well. You'll, you'll, you know, if you honor the leaders, you will, you will prioritize in terms of the way that you relate to them. But the other thing is that um, what you honor, you protect. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. we have that culture. Yeah. 
that if you if you if you truly honor your leaders, if you honor God and you and you and you honor the house, you'll protect it. You'll you'll want to uphold the values, um, and you'll and you and you won't just honor people with your mouth. You won't just speak nicely to them or of them, but you'll honor them by being on time, being prepared. If you're serving in a volunteer ministry, giving of your best. So that's how we've done it. And my parents have not created a, a culture where, you know, people, you know, run around after them and, you know, fan them with palm leaves and stuff <laughs> like that. And Pastor Tracy, you've been there. Uh, I'm sure you felt, um, yes. you know, felt and, and loved and honored, but not to, to an uncomfortable degree. I think it's, it's, a, it's, it's everything yeah. in the right place. Makes sense. You yeah. hey you you said the root of it. It's not honor me. It's live honorably. And right. I man, if 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 every leader got that, I think we would be in a lot healthier place on that. Hey, I want to thank you guys for a great conversation. Two parts actually. I want you to know we respect you. And we love your house. It is a bucket list church for me. So I will be there someday, but never mind that. Uh, we love you guys. Thank you for adding value to our our tribe. We love you. Thank, Thank you for having us. Thank you. We love you guys. Yeah, doing what you do. Love you guys. To find the episode guide, visit our website, leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at Leading Second and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.